0: Welcome to Unboard, unplugged, unscripted board leadership, a conversation between boardroom leaders that covers leadership, priorities, and influence. Now, here's Brian Hayward. Joining me today is Rick Duha, who's uh, involved in the the wonderful world of color, uh, which we'll get into in a second, but also is chief operating officer of YPO, otherwise Known from the beginning as Young Presidents' Organization, uh, which is dedicated to learning and 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 personal development. So, thanks for joining me today, Rick. Hey, it's my pleasure, Brian. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So, I was thinking about color uh, because you've been involved for over forty years, and and we've had enough conversations where my understanding is that there's a I don't know if you want to call it a mafia, but um, but there's colors that people figure out, and and so there must be some kind of governance. Is there a color board? Is there? How does that all work?
1: That that it, it's it's the most peculiar thing. Well, you know, thank you. It's color is something that inspires us all for many things in our lives, and and in fact, it it really inspires things uh, in nature too. You know. Um, Many people don't realize that the most acute sense that bees have is a vision of color, because it's the color of the things that they'll pollinate that that guides them to the right flower versus the not one. So it's not the not the smell; it's actually the sight. But anyway, that uh, there is actually a hierarchy to color, and what's fascinating is that different industries uh, use color differently. And and if you if you actually think about it, this this will become intuitive. But most people probably don't spend much time. Pondering it, um, if you're if you're if you're coming out with a new set of flooring or a new carpet or even a new uh, a, a new uh, sofa, and you're trying to get the fabric that's on the, or the leather that's on the sofa, it, that actually starts way a long time before then. You know, you have to tool up the factories, you have to get the colors organized, you have to make sure you have the right dyes make sure you have the right tints, you have the right inks, whatever the case may be. And so the manufacturing uh, process to bring a color to market in some cases can start uh, a year or two or three years before you actually see it in a store. And so the cost of not having the color right is very, very high. It, I mean, it's it's extraordinarily high. So, uh, you know, a, a, a failed color can be uh, – Incredibly challenging to make up for, and, and can really impact your sales if you get it uh, if you don't have the right color at the right time. So, as a consequence, there's uh, a high desire by industry, in particular, to align themselves on what will be the future of color. And one one of the companies that. Uh, my family and I run is is uh, is called Color Hive, and it's been forecasting colors for for that purpose for over 20 years now. And there's uh, there's a cycle that we follow where we actually get together with industry experts. We run a panel two and a half years before a color will become a current. Uh, and then we we talk a little bit about what are the drivers, what are the societal drivers, what is the uh, uh, economic drivers, and 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 other things along those nature that will that we believe will influence color in the future. And then we publish that information. And one might say uh, us and there's others that do similar um, are, are a little bit self fulfilling prophecy. But it, I think it's because there's a, a need for industry to align early in the process. So I would say there is a color governance. Um, do you ever have like
0: a disagreement? Somebody's going you know, classic black,
1: no white, and, and, or. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's good, there's rock,
0: paper, scissors or some kind of
1: equivalent. Pretty well, you know, it, 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 eventually it's amazing. The, uh, the folks that work in that field and, and we're, we're blessed to to work with a number of them. Uh, They do get aligned eventually. uh, And when they do, uh, then they all get behind that common vision and they make it happen. And so, so color forecasting is, is, while well, it's a forecast it's it's amazingly accurate you can be 80 to 90% likely to get it right if you spend some time and effort and and follow the experts in the field
0: now with covid uh and and all the supply chain disruption that happened is is that you know s- screwed up and messed up some of the forecasts because uh you know furniture is you know going to maybe arrive you know my wife and I bought uh, a sauna, and and I'm and and it's it's going to be delivered like roughly a year later than what we had intended. Um, yeah, but yeah. but it, you know how how has COVID affected?
1: yeah the supply chain on color uh relies heavily on on uh, major industry shows the milan show uh being perhaps the the most prominent and last year was canceled of course and all eyes are on milan come september to see if this can actually come again uh, um, and hopefully there'll be some peace Uh, like many industries there was a pivot to virtual it's not as good Um, and there's a real desire to bring people together and i think that's Prevalent uh, across the globe, but I think there's also a, a real awareness. to The current situation is that that's not going to happen easily uh, anytime soon, and a lot of jurisdictions just don't have the vaccine rates that that will allow that. So I think we're headed for a year, another year of virtual, and I think the more time we spend in virtual. The more it will become part of our our, uh, our lexicon going forward. So I think we're going to see a hybrid or a blended approach going forward. But color is very tactile, and and much as the screen technology does some things right, color is <laughs> generally not one of them. So so uh, uh, at least uh, precise color that you would see and brought to life on products that rely on color to sell it. You know, I, uh, and so I I don't think we're going to see. Uh, uh, virtual going uh, uh, virtual playing a hundred percent role in color going forward. But I do think it is, and, and, and we've evolved new products. We've we've done some interesting new products that allow us to collaborate with uh, with our clients worldwide and to actually come to color conclusions. Uh, but, uh, but at the end of the day, there's still a FedEx going with a package of something so can actually touch and feel. <laughs> and so, so, uh, you know, that still exists.
0: So, so is there, you know, you mentioned societal change and, and thinking about, you know, some of the patterns or, or whatnot. You know, there's there's obviously concern, uh, in, you know, very much on on climate change and evolving from a fossil fuel. Is that is that the kind of thing where where, you know, you have some analysts that are contributing to the to
1: the dialogue, I it, it, yeah it's- you you nailed you nailed, you nailed it. Uh, you know it, society very definitely climate change is having a huge impact on how we view color uh, and how how people are consuming color. I mean, we're obviously uh, there's a big push to go back to things uh, that appear more natural. Um, and and then you know there's other things like uh, like the economy. It's it's amazing how uh, it's often felt that colors are more vibrant when the economy is doing well, and colors are a little bit more uh, more muted when they're not. And uh, if, so, some say that's true some say it's not i don't know so uh, so you when you, I see when i mean, say the bright colors i'm investing in the markets so. yeah.
0: but <laughs> you you got a two you got a two-year lag there right so yeah yeah I, and,
1: and I, what's what, what's the colors going to be in 2023 oh you know I, I should you know I'm not being entirely fair that, uh, that when I speak about two-year lag i'm really talking about uh, the architectural space um, that uh, that my companies tend to deal in, uh, but but you know fast fashion is much much quicker than that. So you know uh, uh, particularly women's garments and things of that nature are are, are cycling a lot faster than two years.
0: So uh, switch gears now, um, not entirely probably, but. Um, YPO, your are chief operating officer and and uh, of this organization, and, and I've been privileged to be part of it for, for about twenty five years. Uh, obviously, you were involved as as a member and and part of part of the you know the the, the organization from from a, a consumer point of view.
1: What drew you into um, being involved at another level? that's an interesting question so so Brian like you I was a member from an er, uh, earlier age I joined in uh, 2001 uh, and uh, had a really great run and, and fortunately enough and uh, some of some of your listeners will know that that there's a forum product that exists in YPO that allows uh, groups of eight to ten people to get together and really uh, uh, really become their own personal board of advisors would be the best way I would describe it and and in the first one uh, the group that I was in, Part of the uh, part of the requirements were that we had to give back to the organization, and ultimately we had to serve in some capacity. So, so uh, it was about ten years uh, into my membership, and I agreed to um, I agreed to serve on the chapter uh, 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 executive group, and that led to serving in the regional executive group, which very quickly uh, uh, put me onto the international board of YPO, and then I had a number of leadership roles on that board up until 2018 and thought i was kind of finished um uh you know the the term lasts for three years and and uh, i thought i was finished and was put out to pasture and um, uh, through a strange series of a, nice, a nice green pasture right <laughs> yeah it was colorful let's just say it was colorful and and uh and so uh you know a couple of years later i got a call saying hey listen uh, there's there's an opening on the on the management side of ypo that we, we think you could uh, move the needle on a little bit and i had a look at it and and uh, had i did a lot of personal reflecting and said you know what this this might be a good opportunity my uh my two kids are quite involved in uh, in helping run the color business today and uh, together with my brother and sister that's really the the family group that runs the the Duha group and as a consequence uh, uh, and with the pandemic and on top of us, travel was going to be impossible, and I said, "Well, maybe this is a an opportunity." So uh, I took that opportunity. I'm really glad I did, and and uh, and so as a consequence, I'm now back on that board on YPO. In this case, as, as a non-voting board member. Uh, so I've made that very interesting and perhaps unique move from being a, a a an elected voting board member to now a non-elected executive member of the same board.
0: Some of the people that I've talked with on this podcast are they're, they're in other parts of the world, and and the governance process, how things get decided, is 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 quite different. I mean, I, you know, the North American Western model. There's an agenda, and there's the chair sort of runs things through. Tick, tick, tick. As as one of my uh, guests called it, spreadsheet governance. And in, in it, it's at its worst when it's it's bad what what what's it like with YPO is it is it a north america model that's transposed on because headquarters is in dallas and or or is has 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 the conversational or the way that decisions are made is have they have you noticed that it's changed over time
1: yeah you, you know uh, I've certainly seen changes because <clears throat> the leadership, of the board changes on an annual basis, and and as a consequence, some of those changes bring uh, changes from wherever the home country may be, or the or the skill sets of the of the chair at the time, or the or the interests of the chair, for that matter. Uh, but but there is definitely a common theme. I would say it's predominantly North American. Although I have to tell you, and and uh, I think you and I share, I'm, I'm halfway through my ICD course right now. And uh, one of the things that I found fascinating is is some of the some of the the, the differences in the um, in the governance models between the countries, and and I'd never actually heard it expressed that way. So I was grateful for the course for uh, pointing it out to me. And then I reflected on my experience, particularly in the YPO board, which is from all sorts of countries that, that I've had the pleasure to serve beside and alongside and, and so on. And I, I, didn't realize those biases were there, but I reflected on some of the conversations. I realized that in fact, uh, those change, those, those nuances do come out at the boardroom table and, and without necessarily having, I, I didn't understand why at the time, but I do now. And, uh, and I'm very grateful to have that knowledge.
0: Yeah. And, 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 what would you say? You know, has been your greatest learning out of that experience of of being involved in that that, that a, an
1: international board like that. Well, I, I think first of all, awareness that uh, that the things that we as can you and I as Canadians uh, uh, might consider a, sort of the standard or the paradigm, you know, our our thinking with regards to uh, well. I mean, let's talk the pandemic, for example, Uh, you know, how we might view, um, uh, you know, the vaccine situation and how we're dealing with going into public now and how others around the world are viewing that at the same time are vastly, vastly different. And to try and find a common ground uh, on that topic is uh, it's a little bit like walking on coals right now, to be quite frank.
0: You know, YPO is 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 really dedicated to uh, learning and, and and personal development, and and it was it started you know with Ray, with Ray Hickok getting a bunch of people together because he he was lost as as a young person uh, running an organization. Is it as relevant now? It, now that there's webinars and, and in such a ease of, of tapping in with, with, you know, there's, it's, there's almost an overwhelming amount of material educational material development material. Uh, I am bombarded every, probably six times a day with emails from Harvard that I, I can attend this course, that course is, is, is that, is the YPO sort of organization as, as relevant as a, as a, a development model at,
1: a, at an international level. Yeah, it's a fascinating question, and obviously, you and I have a little gray hair in the game. So, uh, so you know, uh, our, our no hair, <laughs> our, our generation will lament that it's not the same. But you will recall when you first joined, and I certainly recall when I first joined. That I recall that the elders in the tribe would say it's not. We weren't bringing the same thing that they had before and you know I, I think uh, what's important especially with YPO with with uh, you need to qualify before the age of 44 um, uh, what what that effectively means is that that we're, we're we're now dealing with entirely different generations than you and I that are joining YPO and their expectations are really quite a bit different than maybe ours were and even those that came before us so you know I think that by definition we keep Evolving what YPO is because of the membership stream and the and the consistent youth that join that join the group. Um, uh, having said that, I also agree with you that that you know Ted Ted has has proliferated uh, premium speakers and you can hear them uh, anytime you want. So from a YPO perspective, what we're highly focused on is is um, is the peer to peer connections um, that result. Uh, uh, in some of the ways that we bring members together. So, you know, we're focused on, on the conversation between like you and I are having right now, and not necessarily on, on the, the, the keynote speaker. Uh, maybe the keynote speaker will inspire us to talk about different things and to come up with different ideas to make the world a better place. Uh, maybe you and I will inspire each other. Maybe your philanthropic uh, activities will inspire me and vice versa uh, to be better leaders in different ways that we go forward. So, So I think it's perhaps more relevant than ever. But it's not because of the, the the big brash party or the big uh, or the big speaker. Uh, I think it's because we've created a, a a place of trust, and that members can speak openly about how they feel and how they what they think about uh, what's going on in the world and and how they're able to interact with that.
0: You know, the the other th- thing that I see happening is is for younger people is much. You know, much more of a gig economy um, sort of thought process, which, in many ways, is probably healthier. You could argue than you know the the classic, you know, get in in the a ground floor of a major corporate horse or start something up and 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 lead this you know enterprise uh, like Ray Hickok did to to sell it for huge amounts of money. Um, can 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 can. YPOB is relevant to people who don't aspire to have, you know, huge size. And, and it, 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 is there is there a change that you detect even in the wind with just the sort of mindset of the people that are younger that that may may have been prospects to to join, but but maybe don't really care so much anymore.
1: Uh, so you know uh, the the perhaps the loaded question what you just asked i would say that right now the attractiveness of Ypo globally and during the pandemic has been shockingly high uh, you know i don't I'm not privy to go into some of the details but but there is a high demand and a growing demand on a, on a level that we've never seen before in our 70 year history um, so i think I think leaders are are looking for nourishment they're looking for, is there any particular shoulders. area that
0: seems to be popping up as as something where uh, people where that interest is
1: subject area, or uh, you know, it won't surprise you. I, th- I think uh, there's way more companies with a with a. a, a, a with several ways of measuring success, um, be it, be it uh, through social success, through uh, through uh, cultural success, societal success, uh, any of those things are becoming a much more relevant number than just the bottom line on the uh, on on the balance sheet. So, so I would say to you that there's there's a lot more uh, social impact, uh, it be, and that notion is spreading throughout the organization where. We're partners with a lot of uh, YPO is partners with a lot of leading thinkers around that topic, and our the networks that we run are are uh, in, in that space are getting a lot more attention than they were just five years ago and ten years ago. So that that to me is very rewarding you know, we're inspiring people to be better leaders and wherever they live. And I think that's defined in different ways in different countries. I mean, we're in 142 countries today. Uh, they're, they're, the, the leadership is very, very different in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an African country than it is in Canada or than, than it is even in New Zealand. And, and how that's defined is, is going to be different. And I think you have to, you have to respond to the local situation.
0: Have you noticed that, you know, in, the, in in the last number of, you know, a couple of decades, the world seems to become more polarized. There was, you know, much more of, of us uh, in the nineties and of a, of, of, of a mindset that we're all together. Um, you know, we, the United nations was celebrated as, as a great sort of organizing institution, but now we have much more of a polarized political situation? Is that infiltrating at all into the conversations or how things are seen as in terms of the future of something like YPO where it's, it's tougher to get consensus because it's that's just the nature of life outside YPO.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, you, you raise a very interesting point, Brian, and one that uh, one that is really a, a challenge for all global leaders, not just in the organizations that I touch, but but trying to find common ground. And, and when there's just two choices, black and white, uh, I, as you can tell, I much more favor a, a more colorful world where we can <laughs> where we can fill in the blanks. And black and white to me is just a little. That's not enough shades of gray. At least let's put it that way. But but the. The, uh so so there are topics that are, can be highly divisive um in, in our membership. And and we try hard to walk a fine line between having conversations around dif- difficult conversations, because we can't avoid those difficult conversations. But we need to be very careful to respect people, uh, their diversity, their cultures. Um, and uh, and so that's a very fine line and one that we're constantly redefining and perhaps maybe even a, a little bit of a global trendsetter in that regard, um, in terms of how do, how do we walk that fine line.
0: Yeah, you mentioned you're taking training, you know, for the Institute of Corporate Directors, because you know, part of that, from what my recollection is, is is in, there's a there's a definite philosophy of encouraging difficult conversations, and and so I just find it it's fascinating to see in a divisive world um, or a divided world, you know, there, there's more and more situations where what you say. may offend somebody, but, but that's the essence also of having courage in a conversation or asking a courageous question is, is by, is asking something that potentially might not land well on somebody else's uh, earlobes.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the day, lots of us can talk, but uh, you know, if we can actually spend a little bit more time listening, then perhaps some of those black and white things wouldn't be so black and white and we can find more common ground. So I, you know, I think there's a, there's an element of, of, uh, of uh, talking, but it's also an element of listening in that, in that conversation too.
0: There's specific things now that you, that you, by virtue of your your experience in YPO that you took back to
1: the wonderful world of color. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 uh, you, we haven't touched on this, but I'm actually quite active in, uh, in continuous improvement. And I, I, uh, I, I profess to have a lean black belt in terms of, uh, of thinking. And, and, and so, so, <clears throat> when, uh, one of the things that we say there is that we steal with pride, um, if we see a good idea, we'll steal that with pride and we'll actually say we're stealing it. And, uh, and I have, I have been stealing with pride for a long time from not only from YPO, but perhaps more from the members that I've met along the way. And, when I see a practice or a or a habit or a, or a skill set that I'd like to possess, I I'm not afraid to to learn from someone else. So that's that's the whole point of being a lifelong learner. So I'll happily steal with pride from any source I can to make myself, my family, and my company better.
0: <laughs> no, that's super. Well, um, it's been a delight talking with you. Um, I'm I'm curious because my wife is always looking at pillows and furniture as to is a final, uh, tip or whatever. Uh, should I stay away from dark Brown? uh or
1: <laughs> uh, well Which if we're going to um, be we're, like we're, what color is the world in 2023 <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what uh, what what i will say is go to www.colorhive, color with a com, and uh, and that'll keep you up to date on all the information you need on color um, uh, but uh and and just tell your wife to go there and and uh, and if uh if she doesn't get what she needs we'll get that nourishment for her i i you know i think uh, i'm i'm loath to say what color is going to be next because I'm not the expert on that. I have, I have the good, good fortune of working with those that are. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I tend to try and be more of a board member. So I don't want to be quite so tactical all the time. I want to really be strategic. So uh, so I'll keep trying to do that. <laughs>
0: well, I no, can't ask for anything more than that. So, Mr. Rick, uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And, and, and thanks for joining me on on board. And hey, Brian, a- thanks
1: so much, and thanks for this great initiative. I appreciate everything you do to keep. Uh, I, I loved your book, and I appreciate everything you do to keep your uh, to keep us informed as as uh, as prospective board members for the future organizations we'll serve.
0: Yeah, I, I just just a, a quick reply. I just I find uh, I, my personal passion is in governance because I think it underpins everything we do, whether it's schools, police, hospitals, commerce uh philanthropic activity there's boards everywhere and and excellence in governance to me is is uh is fundamental to excellence in our society so thanks for that
1: uh well, for that you, shout out I, I consider you my mention that in that world so uh, it's just a pleasure to be here with you well, i'm not going to argue with you okay <laughs> take care my friend thanks so.
0: unplugged unscripted board leadership this is on board